Hello, everyone. You're listening to American Indian Airwaves, County Radio. For Marcus Lopez, I'm your host for the hour, Larry Smith. On today's program, a one-hour exclusive special on Saving Oak Flat, a sacred site in the heart of the Apache Nation, now located in the Tonto National Forest near Superior, Arizona, and its potential desecration and destruction by the Resolution Copper Mine, if constructed, the largest copper mine in the United States. You're listening to American Indian Airwaves, County Radio. You can hear when the moon shines bright, the lone fool elk in the black of the night. You can hear, you can hear the whisper in the Money blows to the bar who drum It's the warriors who are marching In December 2014, then-former President Barack Obama signed the 2015 National Defense Authorization Act, which included a writer titled the Southeastern Arizona Land Exchange and Conservation Act. The act would give land that is sacred to the Apache Nation in Arizona near Superior, Arizona, to Resolution Copper Mine, a joint venture owned by Rio Tinto and BHP Billington. The act cleared way for the land swap in which Resolution Copper would receive 2,422 acres of the Tonto National Forest, which includes the sacred site, the Oak Flat area. The Resolution Copper Mine will be approximately 7,000 feet deep or approximately five Empire State Buildings and create the largest copper mine in the United States and within 50 years will leave a crater in the earth that is two and a half miles wide and 1,000 feet deep, producing 1.6 billion tons of toxic mining waste. In this exclusive one-hour interview, I speak with longtime indigenous activist and former tribal council member of the San Carlos Apache Nation, Wensler Nosi Sr., who's been actively at the forefront in protecting the sacred site, Oak Flat. In the beginning part of 2020, however, Resolution Copper Mine will begin construction and hence the need and urgency to prevent the construction of the Resolution Copper Mine and protect Oak Flat in the surrounding area. And now, Winsler Nosi Sr. on protecting Oak Flat in the heart of the Apache Nation and the 5th Annual Save Oak Flat March from February 7th to February 10th of 2019. Well, you know, the Oak Flat uh, March uh, really represents uh, the time that we were, well, going back in time when we were brought to San Carlos as prisoners of war. And so, you know, our people, uh, our ancestors were forced march here to San Carlos. And it just seemed like with, you know, the United States taking over the country, 
and taking over the Southwest and putting us as prisoners of war, you know, it, it really began the colonization and assimilation process and also to play with our minds and, and really forget uh, to forget our identity. And so with this issue that we're confronting now about our holy place, which, uh, you know, originally is in the territory of the Apaches. But then again, you know, when when the colonizers came and they uh, bordered the reservation line, uh, this uh, our holy place was inside the first reservation. But as they started to find copper, gold and silver, you know, it it was uh, by executive order was taken away. But, you know, it, it really, you know, it really like hitting a wall and you you began to realize that, you know, there was also a uh, what I call post-war syndrome uh, that was in effect. And so one of the things that I needed to do was to have our people heal by, you know, uh, taking us back into history and uh, really, you know, outlining what really happened and why are we the way we are today. Uh, as far as being, you know, uh, stuck on the reservation and, and assuming that this is the only place that uh, we came from or, or that we can be free, but yet, you know, we have our indigenous rights. So from the time that we were forced march here, the march also represents breaking these imaginary barriers that they placed on us socially. Winsler, when talking about state-sponsored violence and the intergenerational impact and ramifications of historical trauma that indigenous peoples face. Talk about some of the other relations of the Oak Flat and the surrounding areas that could be devastated or destroyed if the resolution copper mine is constructed. You know, I think one of the things that are really important and, and that I try very hard in this country to, to educate people is the fact that, you know, our deities, uh, our holy people, uh, spirits, uh, no different than any other religion that identifies a holy spirit. Uh, but the English words that were uh, branded on our religious people and, and our ways uh, was really uh, demonizing them and uh, really giving them no credit to as equal to any other religion that, that began in the beginning of time. And then on top of that, you know, uh, again, identifying some of the English ways of making people understand is that this place is no different than Mount Sinai, to where, you know, a lot of the gifts were given in, in the way of what human life was supposed to be and what being in harmony with everything else that Mother Earth, you know, has uh, bared into life as a spirit. And so uh, these uh, holy places, such as Old Flats and, and other places around this country, you know, really represents that. And if you look at the English terminology that was placed upon them, really discredit them. And, uh, you know, and this is where it really, in, uh, for the future, you know, it really causes some misunderstanding, well, a lot of misunderstanding. And as long as they can uh, dilute it and not have it, you know, as important as everything else in this world, then they're able to do uh, what they're doing now. But, you know, Oak Flats, you know, like many other places, you know, is where the language originated, where also the, the, the beginning of life originated and historical history to it. And then what it represents now, the present to the future, somewhat like the Holy Bible that, you know, came across the, the ocean, where a lot of people that may question the, the ingredients of the, the Bible, you know, they, they take a boat or a plane and they fly back to Europe and go to these holy places to identify and, you know, cross-reference with what the Bible says. And then, you know, they come back and they, they, they do a lot of great teaching, you know, to, to their congregation because of the reference and, and visual, you know, contact and the touching of it and the smelling of it. 
Well, Oak Flat is, is no different, you know, for our, our, the present and the future of our, our children. And, but if this place is destroyed and taken away, uh, forever gone, uh, then how does, how does the future generation relate to the religious uh, uh, identity of who we are and how Mother Earth became to be? So this place is, is very unique, no different than any other holy place. And I know in Native American, this is uh, one of the things that we face uh, day after day, you know, since 500 years plus. But, you know, but again, you know, like giving me the time here to be able to speak and have listeners listen and, you know, go across this country and, and, and do as much as teaching I can uh, begins to open their eyes that, you know, we're, we're no different than anybody else in the beginning of time. Winsler, the Resolution Copper Mine Project, a joint venture between Rio Tinto and BHP Billington, if constructed, will have a devastating uh, effect on Mother Earth and generate all kinds of intergenerational loss and add to the trauma. I mean, if this mine, the largest mine in the United States, if built, will leave a crater in the earth, Mother Earth, two and a half miles wide, a thousand feet deep, and producing over 1.6 billion tons of toxic mining waste. And so we talk a little bit more about this intergenerational loss and the compounded historical trauma that will result if the Resolution Copper Mine begins construction in the early part of 2020, and maintains operations. Well, you know, I think the first thing that puts us, you know, if anything, I know religious kind of uh, differ from each other in, in, in so many ways, but, you know, it's still the same thing to one God. But when it comes to something in human beings that we have mm-hmm. something in common with, is first is the water. Mm-hmm. And for all this water to be destroyed, you know, what does it mean, not only for us, but every, uh, every citizen of Arizona, uh, what does it mean to them, you know, with, with the conditions, the droughts that we're in, yeah. and the aquifers that are depleting, and, you know, water coming from the CAP, from the Colorado River in, and then uh, also there, the drought that's happening, and how it's going to change the future of Arizona within the coming years, which, you know, we're already seeing the effects. So the first thing, you know, as we all say and Native people say, is that water is life. And we have to somehow resonate that to everybody in the country and in the state of Arizona that, you know, you can't live uh, without water, you know. So it's just something as simple as that, that it seems like people are not understanding the the critical part of how uh, water uh, is to exist and how it's maintained. So, you know, one of the things that we push very hard is to preserve, you know, uh, to preserve what is left. We, you know, America doesn't, the United States, this country, you know, or the place that we originated from, you know, does not have an abundance as it did when the first Europeans came. And so just like anything else, they're going to deplete. So America has to be smarter than that of how we can survive and take care of what we have. And that's why we say enough is enough. So that's on, on the water issue. You know, it's very vital of what tomorrow is going to be. So what I see at this point is that if, if this miracle doesn't happen where we stop the mining, then, you know, everybody in, in, in Arizona is going to be affected. And then it's going to affect every other state that is conjunction to us because now they're going to be trying to find water and pool water or they're going to be, you know, bringing water. Uh, I mean, it's just going to be a, a really getting to a crazy time when Arizona is not protecting its valuable interests. And, and water is 
far more valuable than anything else. And I think we should all know that. And and that's the kind of, I guess, would be upsetting part because, again, they may not agree with us with the religious religious part of it, but, that, but yet again, when it comes to the water, I mean, that's where everybody should be on the side of on this issue to stop this. And then when it comes to the contamination, you're talking about, you know, deep water, where once the acid is put in, then deep water is forever ruined. Mm. And how that works is that, you know, like for the people, for our people, uh, one of the things that we say, if, if you can use a vehicle, the the radiator, you know, mm. it, it has a certain kind of uh, chemical uh, to where it cools the engine from getting hot. And so here we are, you know, we're de- they're depleting, the, they're going to deplete the, uh, the deep water. And on top of that, uh, contaminated after they leave this country, uh, after 40, 50 years they leave, contaminated. And so that's all going to be gone, uh, you know, within the next 40 years. And so what we say here, because from what the reports show, is that 180 degrees from the very bottom of where this pit's going to be has to rise to the top. So they're talking about 8 to 10 degrees wow. in a 100-mile radius that this temperature has to be spread out. So what's going to happen here in the southwest is that we are going to go 8 to 10 degrees hotter than what we are. And that doesn't even count the climate changes that are happening right now. And so so when you, when you look at that, and the way we're told here is that if this is depleted, then uh, it's just like a car with no water. It's going to get hot. And it's the same thing with us here is that that's one of the big things that I worry because I'm not going to be here, you know, in 40, 50 years. But our grandkids and, and their kids are going to be the ones suffering from this. And not only our kids, but the kids of Arizona are going to be affected by this. And then on top of that, as you were saying, uh, as huge as this is going to be, it takes a lot of water to water down uh, the waste products. And, and they're, not going to, they're not going to be able to continue to water down, you know, what's going to be above the earth now. And so we have this thing called a, a boom that comes out of the uh, comes out of like the, from the south and picks up and takes everything into Phoenix. And what the people don't realize is that when it comes to the wind, a lot of this is going to be airborne. And right now, with the Superior Globe, Miami, uh, that are surrounding towns, they have a high rate of cancer. And even with us in San Carlos, you know, we we do have the cancer effects here. But a lot of it is geared towards mining and what's airborne. And so what's really crazy about this whole thing is that Resolution Copper is exempt from all environmental laws. And so that means that these laws that protect these things I'm talking about, they're actually exempt from them to where there's going to be no enforcement. And, you know, they're going to, they're going to, make, they're going to make what they can or whatever it's going to be, but they're going to leave it devastating and destroyed and, you know, really to no hopes to the future. So there's a lot of things that we we have in common, and then when it comes to the law ex- itself, with with John McCain, uh, you know, the late John McCain and Ann Kirkpatrick and Gosar, all these people who supported this bill um, have really set the example for the future. Well, it already has been occurring in any country where there's been exemptions to the law of why these corporations have taken so many things. But what, what's going to happen now is that it's more set as a pre- uh, precedent. Uh, to where, you know, will there be more exemptions? You know, is this how uh, Congress and their leadership, those who are really negative to the environment, will now begin to use openly because nobody in America is arguing the fact that the United States should not exempt any foreign company or anybody when it comes to water, land, air, you know, and and how it's going to affect the next generation. 
and then to pass a bill without even looking at the plan of operation. So in Arizona, none of the mayors, the governors, legislators, none of these guys have seen the plan. All they were, you know, were clouded by was the amount of money and the revenue and, and so forth and, and the number of jobs. But yet, but yet this is going to be all robotic. And, you know, the numbers that they put out there is not is not true because they were never they never had to debate the issue about jobs and the amount of jobs and what they're going to commit to because they were all exempt. So if you look at it from uh, the other side of what religious of this place is versus you know what how it's going to affect every Arizona and, and America itself and tribes because being able to do this to our holy and sacred place you know they they also set the example because all people live on reservations as well. And so this law or this this act that they did affects all federal land. So, you know, so that's what I was saying. It was an Apache issue one time. It was a Native American issue. It's an Arizona issue. Now it's an American issue. So all those we all have in common, and this is where we should all be standing up to. But again, because they were exempt from all the laws and, and, and given the okay to not to expose their plan of operation so people can actually see and know uh, what the effects are going to be, they're able to get by, you know, because of this dirty deal that they did. You're listening to an exclusive interview with Indigenous activist Wensler Nosy Sr. on protecting Oak Flat, a sacred site to the Apache Nation that's under threat by Resolution Copper Mine if it begins construction, the largest copper mine in the United States. And now back to the interview. Wensler, that... And that dirty deal is uh, Section 3003 of the um, National Defense Authorization Act of 2015 that contained the rider, the Southeast Arizona Land Exchange and Conservation Act. And, and if Resolution Copper Mine is permitted to build this largest copper mine in the United States and, and desecrate and destroy Oak Flat and the surrounding areas, this culturally significant religious uh, site to the Apache Nation and surrounding indigenous peoples. Talk about some of the other implications or harms outside of the, the humans that will be impacted. So how will this affect our other relations, say the two-legged, the four-legged, the plants and, and other animals, if resolution copper mine is constructed great question uh one of the things is that you know the uh in in what i find not only here but many of the places uh there are these sacred places or holy places uh where our deities uh reside mm-hmm. uh one of the things that you find is a lot of these places is what we call a woman a female and these holy places uh represent the fact that you could actually be born there and you actually can die of old age because it provides you everything you need from not only food, water, but uh, medicine plants and everything that nourishes you. And it's really a unique place, you know. Uh, and then the way we identify male mounds is it's mostly rocks, you know. There's really no no life, you know, but there it's there. But the female mound has all these in abundance, you know, because they're, they're the caretakers. Mm-hmm. And what we see that's happening in America is that America is destroying all these female places to to really begin to limit our existence. And what we say is that so many of the things at the lower level of elevation is being destroyed, so many of it. And what really remains left is the higher mounds. And so being Native and and being here uh, in this continent all our lives, 
since the beginning, you know, we know that that these things have to survive in order to keep human and and the, and our relatives, the four legged, uh, contained to to survive. And so, this place, uh, Oak Flat, is no different to where you know the water, the spring, and all these, uh, like I said, medicine plants uh, exist. And so, if you can look at a horseshoe, so if you look at Phoenix, you know. The, where Phoenix is located, kind of the mouth of the horseshoe. Mm. Well, the horseshoe kind of represents everything that's contaminated from the mines and and how uh, the mine. Well, I, I take that back. The horseshoe facing opposite, the mouth towards us, which means facing east, mm. and then the back part of the horseshoe facing uh, to Phoenix. Mm. Well, the horseshoe, all all the tributaries and everything is contaminated from mines that exist around. Uh, this area, there's, there's several mines, huge mines. And so every uh, tributaries are contaminated. So whatever flows off from the rain and snow and gets into these areas, they're contaminated. And so facing towards us is the only part of where the water would flow without being contaminated. And so the way our four-legged relatives move is through that horseshoe. They, they go inside to the top as their you know, ancestors uh, have, have, have done. And then they make their way out through that opening. Well, now that this proposed mining and, and what may occur is all going to be dropped. It's all going to be taken. So we have uh, ac- the acorn tree here mm. takes 100 years before it produces its first acorn. And it's not like all these trees produce acorns. They're, they're, you know, they're all at different ages. And so when one finally dies, you know, like over five, six hundred years, then the next one, you know, is given the acorn. And that's what we, the people, you know, I guess you would say is our cuisine. It's, it's highly uh, mm. um, potent in, in, in our human body and surviving. And so that's been a part of our way of eating. And not only that, but the animals, everything there that, you know, will take the nut and survive from that. So all that's going to be lost. And as well as, like I said, all the water and the snow that hits from the very top of the mound, again, you know, the very top is going to be gone because it's going to subside. And so that whole area of all nature will be lost. And not only that, the heat that will rise from the bottom will begin to kill off everything else around it. So the way we see the future of this area is, you know, just really um, devastating. It's going to be really devastating to everything and to everybody that lives around it, on on it, or near it, or even it's, it's even going to affect Phoenix. Like I was telling you, with all the waste products that are going to be be from this mining, because again, you know, the exemption was given to them on all of these federal laws. And then what's really bad is the state of Arizona should be requesting um, information because I don't know why people think that water and air, you know, and some of the disastrous things are going to stay, stay behind the boundary of the Forest Service, of the, of the, of the federal land. Mm. I mean, these don't have no boundaries. It's going to go, it's going to seep, and it's going to go into uh, state property, you know, private property and state. And yet you have the state not even asking any questions uh, about how it's going to affect the state of Arizona in, in the future. So it's just going to be really, really devastating, uh, and, and that and that's what hurts me. And, and because, like I said, I'm not going to be here, you know, uh, uh, when all these effects occur, and and there's going to be so many people suffering from this. Winsler, I was out there for the first gathering several years ago, and there was hundreds of people that came out and shared good words, songs, and ceremonies, and and you're approaching the the fifth annual. 
Oak Flat March, uh, February 7th through February 10th of 2019. And I was wondering, what about at the legislative level? There's a genealogy or a history there. And I was wondering for our listeners, walk walk them back through this uh, history at the legislative level. Okay, well, you know, in the beginning, when, when we got word about the possibility of this mining, at that time, it was a poss- even though they knew they were going forward, but to mm-hmm. us, it was told that there was a possibility. And for about, uh, I believe, since um, 2002, 2003, we, we uh, initially passed, the Tribal Council passed a resolution opposing and that we're going to fight for our uh, religious holy land. Right. And so from there, what happened was that we took on, uh, I went to the Hill in Washington and not many doors open at all, uh, not even the Arizona doors and nobody wanted to talk about it. But, you know, it's just really being persistent and going at it and keep going at it. We we're able to educate uh, uh, most that we could about Oak Flats and about what it meant and and what what existed there and what would be harmed. And so when Resolution Copper on its own was trying to push for Congress to give them an exemption, uh, we did whole serve because, you know, as we began to educate them, they began to realize that. And it was really silly. You know, I, I'm talking to government leaders in Congress that they don't need, just because they're from another state, they didn't know that they had a say in Arizona. And, you know, it really blew me away that, that many of them really <laughs> don't don't even know how it works. Either they do know or they're being naive because they got a lot of deals going on in the background. But anyway, we're able to hold it off until Gosar in two thousand fourteen, I believe. What he did was he put it on he got tired because nobody could get it through, so he put it on the floor of Congress and it was actually going to be voted on the floor of Congress. But we're I was able to get back to D.C., and we needed to convince uh, three, but we actually got four. And so when Gosar of Arizona found out that the bill wasn't going to pass, he pulled it. And then that's where the following year it, it upset John McCain, and that's when John McCain stuck it in as a late-night writer you know, with thousands of pages, and within an hour, Congress passed it. And so you know, we did make the effort with President Obama, uh, hoping that you know, he would not sign the national defense bill uh, you know, because they still have that negotiating period yet between Congress and the president that he would tell, you know, uh, Congress that, you know, I'll sign it, but you need to take this thing out. Uh, but that didn't happen. You know, at that time, a lot of uh, the, a lot of them really jumped all over uh, Obama and, you know, in, in politically, I guess, you know, he, he went on and signed it. And so it put us in the position that we're in now. So what happened is Resolution Copper had a timeline. And in that timeline, as of this year right now, they're supposed to be fully operating, operating, and we would have been uh, kicked off our holy place as well as them closing the area to all the people of uh, uh, the United States people, kicking them out of there as well because they would have shut it down and they would have start uh, moving on their project. But what has happened since that time, with the help of so many people out there, you know, we're even though we're behind the eight ball in their way of cheating. Uh, we're able to push enough uh, to where people begin to feel their conscience about it. And, you know, just all the visits across this country and, and having them call Congress, you know. Uh, but even though the bill the bill was passed, we did get support of a repeal bill. So right after John McCain did the, uh, the National Defense Bill, the writer, uh, then the repeal bills came up. 
And so what has happened, though, is that the people who support Resolution Copper more or less sit from the committees of where it should be heard. And so the first repeal uh, died without having a hearing. And then the second one that came, it, it went two years. It didn't get hear, heard, and then it went again, and it died this past December. But we did get a one public hearing, and so now... Uh, which is great this year is uh, Raul Cahaba of Arizona in the House uh, introduced the bill and Senator uh, Bernie Sanders did a sister bill in the Senate. So what's really great that really touches my heart is that the Native tribes, you know, like our tribe here in San Carlos and all the Native tribes would have to be the one to do the repeal and then get Congress to recognize it. And so there, you know, we have a sponsor and co-sponsors. But this time it came from the United States itself. It came from Raru and it came from uh, Bernie Sanders and they do got sponsors. And so that's really exciting this year. But where we are right now, going back to the time frame of Resolution Copper, is that in 2020, which is next year, is that this is where, regardless of what the EIS, the NEPA, regardless of what those things say, the land is supposed to, they officially take over, and then they start with their final uh, uh, section of beginning the process. And that means that we will be escorted or whatever removed out of the area as well as all Americans won't, won't be able to be in that area anymore. So that's next year. And, wow. and so that's what makes this year's March far different because it's a sense of urgency, and like I was telling the people, that it's kind of like somebody's going to be murdered, you know, yeah. and this place is going to be murdered. It's going to be killed, and that's real scary, you know. We, so all we have right now is a miracle, I, and I use the example of, you know, somebody, someone, fam, family member in a hospital, and, you know, they don't know if they're going to live or die, but their family put out the request for the rest of the family to come, to come visit because it might be, you know, they may not make it. And so that's the way I feel about what's happening at Oak Flats is that, you know, this place has called out, this place has reached out, and, you know, people who have come, you know, have, have really been bringing their prayers and, you know, bringing their ways to where, you know, we're, we're able to, to not let it happen in 2018, but for 2020, you know, that's the deadline of when they want this land transferred. And so, so this year, 2019, is the year that this gathering we're, we're really asking people to come out and pray, come out and talk, you know, come out, you know, so that we can we can confirm, you know, our position and then know that if this ugly day comes, then what I hope and pray for is that we have many of the spiritual leaders with us. And, you know, when resolution comes in with their party, whoever they may be, to make their stand. But, you know, this is where it's at. And that's why this 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 gathering this year you know, it's great and everything, but I'm really focused on the prayers and the miracle that, you know, that we have been asking for to stop this project. And that concludes the first part of our two-part segment of an exclusive interview with longtime Indigenous activist Wensler Nosi Sr. on protecting Oak Flat in the heart of the Apache Nation, a sacred site under threat by the potential construction of the Resolution Copper Mine. If built, it would be the largest copper mine in the history of the United States. You're listening to American Indian Airwaves, County Radio. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back.
the song Black Snake Killers by Sally Free, an exclusive world premiere here on American Indian Airwaves County Radio. In the final segment of today's show, we continue with our exclusive interview with longtime Indigenous activist and organizer Wensler Nosey Sr. on protecting and saving Oak Flat, a sacred site located in the heart of the Apache Nation in Tonto National Forest, just north of Superior, Arizona. The Oak Flat region is under threat by the joint venture between Rio Tinto and BHP Billington's Resolution Copper Mine, a copper mine if constructed that will destroy the entire region and be the largest copper mine in the history of the United States. And now... Back to saving and protecting Oak Flat with Wensler Nosey Sr. What about um, in March of 2016, the U.S. Forest Service added Oak Flat to the National Registry of Historic Places? Does that help the situation aggravate it or does it matter given this uh, where we are right now in the process? No, it does not matter because of the exemption was was given, and then even with that, there there was at that time uh, there was really no support. I think in this year with with Gohalva and Sanders and all the supporters, I think they're going to be able to use it as an argument, you know, as they have the hearings, and that's what we're praying for that we got to have that hearings, you know. And then this is where I'm trying to reach out to all people in in all the different states to contact their senators, their House of Representatives, to let them know to support this bill uh, to repeal that act that was done. And not only to, you know, uh, people of, of denominations and uh, our people just in general, but really the veterans. You know, I've been trying to uh, uh, reach out to the vet- veterans because, you know, that's the sole reason why they exist about freedom of religion, freedom of speech, and yet they use the military to put this rider in. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, veterans can really help us on to tell their senators that, you know, these are the things that we sacrifice a limb, uh, ourselves, a family member, you know, and, and time away from what every day is to serve this country. But yet they use that to 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 even, you know, go against us. And I and again, that goes back to like a lot of hidden things that uh, they have done without the public really knowing what took place. Would it be fair to, to say that uh, there was no free prior and informed consent afforded to uh, the Apache people or indigenous peoples? No, there, there was none. And besides, if you look at the Apache country and what they've done to us in our indigenous lands, a lot of these places were really like uh, cleaned up from the face of the earth so, so that we, we can't tie our, our rights to these places. And so... Oak Flats is one of the places that's heavily archaeologically have so many things and it has, you know, reference and have picture glyphs and, and has barrier grounds. You know, I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, it, it's one of the biggest spots, you know, that hold all this significance. And uh, it's crazy, you know, the, and, and uh, that's what I'm saying is that if, if this bill in this way uh, is able to stand and stay, then it affects everything else because this will be used in the court against any other native tribes or, or any other, you know, ancient places, you know, and that's why it's so important that, because this, this is the law we're talking about. And that's why, you know, one of the things I, I really have, have really given my last three years of life to is developing a, developing a bill of how we can change NEPA 
that really needs to be changed in this country. Because if not, then we're going to be subject to this all the time. And it does not favor us. For our listeners, that's the National Environmental Policy Act, uh, Section 106, that's frequently cited when dealing with the federal lands. And I was wondering what kind of modifications or recommendations do you have to the National Environmental Policy Act that would better help protect indigenous people's sacred sites, ancestors, and cultural patrimony? Well, you know, that comes back to the United States having that responsibility. And then if you look at everything within the NEPA, I mean, one of the things that, you know, uh, that in our case, the Townsville National Forest or like at Mount Graham, the Coronado National Forest, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody believes that they're a department that will help Native tribes as well with consultation to assure the best thing is done. But then the more you go into it, you find out that that's not what it stands for. What it stands for is to assure that the United States get their prop, what is profitable and what should be revenue to them. So they really prepare these places to sell. And so one of the things we have to do is to make sure that in the SNEPA policy that we change, that the Native Americans, you know, would have to give what we said earlier, uh, and they are yay, you know, not no consultation, not any of these other things, because there's no teeth to it. And so by changing that, it, it, it will change many parts of NEPA. And that's one of the things that we're working really hard at that I will be with, along with uh, some other tribal leaders, is hitting the road with tribal governments, with, with activists people that, and they're not just activist people, but just people around the country, uh, Americans, to show that if we can change this, then what will happen is that It'll benefit all Americans, not just Native American people, because we're, I think that's where all we, what we're all fighting for now, you know, is okay. sustainability. So that word is really becomes crucial is sustainability. And so I think being Native Americans and being indigenous, we can't be afraid anymore and we can't fear anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if we do it spiritually, we will get a lot done. But if we do it in, in a manner of angry and, you know, and, and being, being like them, you know, saying things negative or whatever, we're not going to get anywhere. But I think being how we've been handling this issue here is just being spiritually guided. And, and it just, you know, it just really has ricochet in all over the country. And like I said, you know, they cheat us. We, we have no laws that govern us. And I, I spoke at a non-Indian school uh, recently, and it was really, I was really happy because one of the non-Indian kids, you know, he stood up and his, his question to me was, I don't understand, doesn't that the Supreme Court, can you take the Supreme Court and, you know, it would protect, you know, your religion, you know, this place. And I don't get it. Isn't that, I thought that's what America is all about, that, you know, we, we can do that. And then that's when I explained to him about the exemption. And, and I, I will never forget his words with him just nodding his head and saying, that's cheating. You know, that's cheating. That's cheating your people. That's cheating everything. And, you know, I think that young man showed me that, you know, this next generation is, 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 is really important that we need yeah. to teach so that we can change these laws. It can happen if we teach, you know, if we make that effort. It can really happen. Well, I, and then I think think of, uh, you know, what role does the American Indian Religious Freedom Act play play in this situation, or, or just Resolution Copper was, is exempted from that as well, or is that... Yeah, and then, you know, yeah, the, well, yeah, and, and there's a lot of, you know, one of the things that we, we also need to understand that some, that a lot of times a president, 
by executive order will do something, but if it's not law through Congress, then there's no peace. And that's kind of what we found out with uh, Bill Clinton when he was president, you know, because we had the issue of Mount Graham about consultation, because they did have the word consultation, but the United States government never really exercised consultation, not until, you know, I guess we kind of began to know how the game was played. And so at that time, Bill Clinton, you know, by executive order, pushed the agencies to have consultation. The wording was nice. Everything sounds good, but it still was the same thing. You know, it, it, it was more or less this time kind of patting us on the back and saying, OK, I'm, I'm hearing you. I'm listening. You know, OK, OK. You know, but it, it wasn't really doing nothing. So, you know, we really need to get those same acts that they also supported, that they also created and make sure that it becomes law with Congress. And so this way, we're not going through what we're doing, because I think when those things are done, a lot of the tribes and, and Native people, you know, we all kind of lay back and thinking that we're protected, but we're not protected. It's just like the reservation. You know, a lot of our people here think that we're safe, you know, living on the reservation and so forth. But the United States still owns the reservation. Yeah. They, they still own it yet. You know, we live here on the leased land. So one of the big things for me is to educate my people here that we're not, you know, we, we don't own this. And it's funny, you look at all these third world, and, and, and people have said this before, but it's the same thing. You know, the way the United States want to push and control them, it's the same thing with us. They, they will always control us as long as they own the land, you know, and, and we'll never get ahead as much as we want to because we don't own the value of the land. We don't own anything. And so, you know, those are the things that, like I was saying about the deception of America needs to be exposed if we're going to really rebuild America, you know, in, in the rightful manner. And that's kind of been my push across the country, you know, in educating not only Native Americans, but a lot of non-Native Americans that, you know, the reason why all this is happening is because America's foundation is based on a deception of, of not being the truth. Wenzel, I know, um, in, in just kind of uh, responding to what you were saying, you have over the years um, traveled throughout Mother Earth speaking to both indigenous and non-indigenous um, uh, audiences. You've spoken um, to representatives of different organizations, members of the state, and um, you've traveled, you know, even out here through Tongva Gebrino lands um, in what people know as uh, Los Angeles, California. And talk about the kind of solidarity you've cultivated over the years. Well, you know, it, it, yeah, it's it's been a blessing, you know. I mean, because I think all of us, we, we have, well, we, we have our opinion, then we have our um, expectations about certain things, you know. And, mm-hmm. and one of the things that, you know, when it comes to indigenous people, Man, it, it, it really, you know, it really does hurt me, you know, how our people had been removed and placed in cities and then how we were placed on reservations and how it kind of tried to break us apart. And then the most thing that hurts me the most is, you know, when 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 we talk about being deluded, when I go places and languages are lost or ancient songs and they're trying to hang on to it and they're working really hard to bring it back. But, you know, just seeing within their heart, you know, what what they have in the love and, and, and not wanting to lose that of what was in the beginning. And, you know, that, that really, you know, saddens me. But then on the other side of the token, it excites me because they really have not lost anything. It's a matter of just coming back together. Mm-hmm. And that's why when I was in uh, San Francisco, when we went to Alcatraz, one of the things I try to remind the people there that, you know, to go back to your to your sacred land, go back to your holy place, because you go back to these places, 
there's not much to say. Everything will come inside you. The things that you, mm. the, how you breathe, how you walk, how you sit, how you listen, those things will nurture you. And, and that's the beauty of what we are and, and, and what our religion is. And, and then I guess to why we were hated for, because we're, we're so in tune and tied to Mother Earth. But, you know, I've seen that, you know, and, and it really has touched me. Then with, with non-Indians, I don't mean a lump them all in one sum, but then one of the things that when I went to D.C., when I made my journey from California all the way to D.C., uh, you know, when I was, my mind was all, you know, made up, you know, I'm going to bring the Native American issue, I'm going to talk. When I was on the road, you know, I stopped, I was invited to more churches, I was invited to a lot of non-Indian organizations, and, you know, it was really a building, but a lot of info. It wasn't until I was... Uh, one mile away from the capital, when we were stopped by an elderly couple, and there were there were uh, uh, whites, and what she told me, because she she had been monitoring us coming from California, and what she told me uh, really put things in perspective for me, what I was witnessing, and what she told me was that you know she said I don't know what happens, she goes, but when our people get elected. And they go, and she was pointing towards the Capitol. She goes, when they go there, she goes, there's something evil that takes over them. They become who they, they're not. And they actually work against us. So she says, you know, I've been, I've been following you and what you're doing. And the only thing I can tell you, she goes, uh, is that it's going to take your people to fix this. Mm -hmm. Because you are the first ones who suffered here and where all the lies began to take over what was yours. She goes, and even though I'm a white person, she goes, they don't listen to me either. So she goes, let me, let my spirit jump on your back and take me with you so that I can stand with you. And boy, that last mile, you know, just like a complete light show or whatever you want to call it, just kind of went through my whole mind. It kind of like messed me up. And then I start, you know, retracing everything. So anyway, my point is that when I look at all the county places that I stopped, the little city and towns. And in the bigger cities, you know, they were no different than the reservations. All these, so many people can't even leave. So many people are stuck within the system and, and their control. And I really felt for all these people because then I realized that it wasn't just us Indian people. I realized that what we were facing is what corporation is and what mm -hmm. corporation does and how we're losing family, we're losing mm -hmm. community base because I come back to the globe, uh, globe Miami area. The copper mines run everything. We have a lot of support in these little towns, but they cannot come out publicly to tell us they support us because the corporation controlled them. And they were told, you know, that, that they will not get support. And so they can't give up that revenue that keeps them surviving. So they can only whisper. So it seems like when I cross this country, so many people and even different denominations support us, but they just don't. They're, they're controlled, you know, and when they see somebody breaking barriers and getting out of this frame, they're happy. They, they can breathe. There's hope. And I realized that, you know, getting there and, 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 and looking to the Capitol, you know, and, and saying our prayers began for everybody, everybody that suffered, everything that colonization has done. These corporations is actually the evil that came from the other side of the world. It's not these, it's not the people. It's what what is corporation? What you know what they live for, and then how it destroys people, and then how people want to be a part of that, and then they destroy the good things in life, and then now the religious word is meaningless because 
this corporation is too powerful, just like what Resolution Copper is doing here. And, you know, the first people that are going to be hit is these small towns. They're going to be hit before us, before us Apaches. You know, so now, you know, you're speaking for everybody now. And, and, and then I realized that it's a bigger it's a bigger issue than what I thought it was. You know, it, 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 it's big. It's huge. Because now we're confronting the evil, the evil that came. So now I know what evil came. I guess that's what I'm saying. You're listening to an exclusive interview with Indigenous activist Wensler Nosi Sr. on protecting Oak Flat, a sacred site to the Apache Nation that's under threat by Resolution Copper Mine if it begins construction, the largest copper mine in the United States. And now back to the interview. And it sounds like, too, is that when you talk about corporations um, harming and wounding and maiming not just people, but all life, that corporations part of a larger global capitalist system just uh, they operate in a very non-relational way. And, and so it's easy for them to behave in that kind of violent way. And, and, um, and indigenous people have certainly seen it intergenerationally. And a large number of people on Mother Earth are experiencing that as well. And I can't help but think of what uh, Russell Means uh, would say uh, sometimes when he spoke uh, to a large number of um, non-Native audiences. And he'd always tell folks, you know, welcome to the reservation. Welcome to the reservation. That uh, when we're gone, you're next. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. The only thing I'll add is that you know uh, <laughs> they're in it already. You know, I mean, because uh, you know they, they, they're more blind than we are. You mm. know, uh, they they've been in it, and and because you know because they're stuck within the frame. And the only difference between us and them is that we're indigenous. They came to this land. Mm. So let me, let me give you an example. Okay, so when I meet a, I don't mean to call them uh, white people. I, I don't mean to call them that. But mm. when I meet one, the first thing I want to know is who are they? You know, where did they come from? It's the same way with me. In San Carlos, we have 15 different bands of Apache. Mm. So I can know from the dialect or either if I don't know from the dialect, I know from their clan, so I, I know who and where they come from, and I knew I know what their people and what they were like, just like with me, you know, me being a Stinaya and being a Cherokee Apache. So they they know they know my mentality, I guess you would say. And so for me, it's important that every uh, non-Indian I meet, uh, it's important because it tells me, you know, what the day may be like or what the, the discussion may be like, because we know what was we know who was here first. You know, the German, the Irish, you know, so forth. You know, we, we know who was here. So it helps me identify them and it helps me. We can break barriers a lot quicker. So the one that scares me is the one that when I say, you know, well, you know, what's, what's your nationality? What's, you know, wh- where'd you come from? You know, I'm just curious. And they would get upset with me and they would say, I'm an American. I'm an American. Then I would say, yeah. I said, but, but you, you know, I said, just like with me. So I explained me. And then they'll still look at me and say, well, I don't know, I'm an American. And that really scares me because you cannot, you cannot create something that you're not. That's false, you know. And so that really scares me when, when people say that. But, you know, the crazy thing is that we're, we're 15 different bands of Apache and we're exiled out of our places and brought to St. Carlos as prisoners of war. So from that time that we were brought here, they were creating a new St. Carlos. So what I see the younger generation going through 
is that they're becoming San Carlos, which they're not. And it's kind of the same thing as an American, being Americans, that they're not. And then reservation by them is making us be something that we're not. And that's why so many people are, are, are losing, and they don't mean it intentionally, but they've lost their route, their trail. And so what I'm trying to do, you know, here locally is make sure that they know where they came from. Because once you know where you came from, you, you have your ties, you know, you have your ancestral ties, and you actually feel better about yourself. You feel good. And so the way I look at America is the same thing, is that there's nothing wrong with the Euro- these Americans, you know, still tying to their European bloodlines because they actually will feel good about themselves. They probably will be better people because you cannot make something that you're not because God, the creator, didn't give us that. We, we have a bloodline that comes somewhere from somewhere, and, and that's where I feel bad. So going back to like you're saying about what Russell Means used to say, you know, to me, you know, he is right, but... You know, we have to explain it to the people, the non-Indians, what we see, because we are affected by the same thing, by this military war, and then putting us in terms of war, and then trying to create a new Native American. And, I, and that's why if we don't look our, at ourselves in, in a mirror, that's even scary for us, because then that means that, you know, we're, we're going down the wrong trail. Mm. And that's why it's so important that we, we tie to our, our sacred places, our holy places, which is all we, what we got left. And that's why America needs to hear that, because this is what they're harming. They're harming a social way of life, and it has to stop. And, it, you know, it all extends from the still, the after effects of war. And, you know, so we're still going through that. And as long as we don't say nothing about it, as long as we don't educate people about it, then they're not going to understand it. You know, but we, we need to begin to say it and not, not fear anything and, and really not fear sharing that with our children and our people, because, you know, we're sort of like brainwashed, but now it's time to fix it. And that's kind of what I'm doing across this country, but as well as here in my own homeland first. Winslow, we're almost out of time, but I want to come back to the fifth annual Save Oak Flat March from February 7th through February 10th of 2019. Talk again or remind our listeners again the significance of the walk and what would you like listeners to do? How can they help? Okay, well, again, like I said, the, the, this year's Old Flat uh, March is, is really something of uh, a heavy, a heavy feeling and a heavy, uh, carrying a heavy load. And, and I'm just happy for those who can make it, but I'm also happy for those who can offer their prayers on that day, well, or those few days that we're in our journey, mm-hmm. uh, because what we're doing here represents everybody else. I never say it's just an Apache issue. It's not because we're all facing the same issue everywhere, and so the prayers are really important. But again, like I said, this year is really important for us because 2020 is where, in their timeline, the land is transferred. And so we're we're praying for a miracle that, you know, without going through so much of a hassle, somebody in Washington, something can stand up to, to make things better and, and make it right. So the march, you know, the people will walk, and we have the younger ones running a, a, a portion, and it will consist of what we call holy ground, uh, the holy ground prayers, blessings, and that in this religion, one day we would return back to our sacred places, and it's really happening. So the Holy Ground Ceremony is a really, very important part of this. And then the second part of that is our deities, which is the Gone people, uh, uh, which is our holy dancers that come from the mountains. But, you know, now today us religious people have to perform that and, and be in one with the Spirit. So that's going to happen on Saturday. Uh, I have the Pomo tribe. 
uh, coming from Northern California mm. to do a prayer, uh, a song prayer, and they're bringing their, their dancers. Uh, you know, I did put word out there that anybody that wants to come and pray, anybody wants to come and share, because this is, you know, really this is what I'm going to focus on for the days that we're there. Uh, because, again, as I was saying earlier, that this place is going to be murdered. You know, this place is going to be killed. And so we're we're coming, you know, and asking for a great gift of a miracle that this place doesn't take that road, you know, where it's going to happen. So anyway, that's that's what the 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 march is all about. And again, breaking barriers, you know, making sure that you know we're forced and walked onto the reservation, while we're walking off the reservation. You know, we're going to break like we did the last years and break those barriers, and not be uh, mentally confined. And think that we're, you know, that that's the place that we should always be. You know, this indigenous land, you know, we've, we've been there through our ancestors, and we know these places. So what I'm, what we want to do is, is break uh, barriers. The moment of silence is over. And that was indigenous activist and organizer Wensler Nosi Sr. of the San Carlos Apache Nation, speaking on saving and protecting. Oak Flat, a sacred site in the heart of the Apache Nation. And that concludes our show for today here on American Indian Airwaves County Radio. A special thank you to our guest for the hour, Wensler Nosey Sr. For more information, you can visit the website apache-stronghold.com. A special thank you to our musical guest for the hour, Aragon Star, Koopa Aina, Saley Free, and the band Blackfire. American Indian Airwaves County Radio is mixed and mastered in the studio of Burnt Swamp Studio in Signal Hill, California. For Marcus Lopez, I've been your host for the hour, Larry Smith. Until next time. The innocent you can't justify Why your freedom manifests on their graves And the blood never comes clean from the guilty minds Nor the hands that hold the chains Silence is over.